You know, it's never failed in the last few weeks that I walk into my office and there's a gift in there with a lot of goodies in it. And uh, I'm a big believer in uh, waste not, want not. But I will be, I will be going and having a diet. I got to get back to the size I was pre-pastor appreciation, you know. So, uh, so pastor appreciation, my birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's time, and it's cold outside, and we eat a lot of goodies, but thank you for that. As we begin, I just wanted to share this morning, um, many of you may recall the Western comedy from the early 90s, City Slickers, starring Billy Crystal. Love that movie. It's one of my top uh, funny movies that I like, that, and what about Bob, but that's my own thing. Uh, the main character, Mitch here, is played by Billy Crystal is a middle-aged man. He's from the big city. He uh, sells ads for the radio. And uh, he and his friends get together, Phil and Ed. They're having midlife crisis, and they decide, you know what the best thing for us would be is to go on a two-week vacation and uh, rustle some cattle and move them. And so they go on this wild western cattle drive from New Mexico to Colorado, and it's full of fun of exciting things. I think it's hilarious. At least I do. <laughs> But as they're attempting to be real cowboys, the main cattle driver dies unexpectedly. They face several kinds of challenges, intense challenges. And one of the three friends, after an event, just a uh, situation, breaks down because of the situation that happened in his marriage. And he's saying, my life is over. You know, what am I going to do now? I'm done. And his friends come to his aid, and they come to him and say, you know, you remember when we were kids... And someone used to hit the ball over the fence or it went in the tree. Uh, we would come and say, you know what? It's a do-over. That you get to do this thing again. And so they tell him, your life is a do-over. And for us as Christians, what we want to be thinking about is that we all would like do-overs. We all can look back at our life and see the things we've done wrong. And the good thing about Christianity, the good thing about what we believe as Christians, is that God gives us do-overs. He is the God of second chances. He gives us new opportunities. Now, I cannot go back and change the past. But what I can do is start right now committing my life to Jesus Christ, making things right, and being used by Him. And that is the good news for us today. We believe in the God of second chances. In fact, of third chances and fourth chances to serve Him. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, but before we do, we're going to recite uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm going to share some more about what Paul has to say later in the sermon. So we do this together to remind us of the supremacy, the authority, the importance of the Scriptures. So repeat after me, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Oh, that's good. That's good. So Jonah, we're going to be in the book of Jonah today, chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and then verse 10. But before we get into there, it's just a, a quick summary of the book of Jonah. It's a prophetical book from the Old Testament. Jonah was a prophet. 
God had called him, had sent his word to him to go and preach to Nineveh. The Israelites hated the Ninevites. The Ninevites had warred against Israel. They had tortured their people. Um, Jonah doesn't want to go, so he purchases a ticket on a boat. He goes the opposite direction. God sends a storm. Ultimately, the guys on the ship toss Jonah over. He's in the sea. God sends a great fish who swallows Jonah. While he's in the belly of the whale, he's crying out to God. He's pleading to God. He says, salvation is of the Lord, and then that, that fish, that great fish, brings him to the um, shores of Nineveh, which brings us to Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 here. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it in the message that I tell you. I want you to know today that God is for us, but he also has messages to preach against sin. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. I love that. There's a message that comes. He's being obedient to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey into in by breath. If you were to walk through it, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, one day in, and he called out, Yet forty days Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. A whole other thing. The word of the Lord came, preached the word of the Lord. The people in Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And verse 10 talks about God. When God saw what they had did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's pray together today. Father in heaven, we thank you for this sacred time for us just to sit and hear from heaven to hear your words. And I pray today that you renew the man in us, the person in us, that we put off the old, that we live in the spirit of the new, in the spirit of Christ. And I pray that you give us ears to hear what you would have to say to us today, that we believe in this true God who gives second chances, the God of all grace. And Lord, as we have received grace and second chances along the way, I pray we demonstrate the same, that we give people chances that they may be saved and come into the life of Christ to believe in Him and have eternal life. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, each year around this time, millions of people uh, have plans or resolutions, new things we're going to do. We're going to stop doing some things, maybe do some new things. Um, Maybe you have said, you know, I would like to be better with my money this year, or I want to read more, uh, spend less time on social media. Yeah, we always say we're going to do that. By the way, you need to write that down as a goal so you will accomplish it. Get the app off your phone. If uh, you're spending too much time, just remove the app from your phone. But some of us want to spend more time with family, less time at work. Now, a lot of us, I mean, 90% of resolutions end up being diet and exercise around this time. Obviously, we've gained weight. It is sweater season. We want to trim down a little bit. Hopefully that. Um, but, you know, if you lose weight, if you diet and exercise, you are going to feel good. I am all for that. I think it's a good thing for anyone. But my calling as your pastor is for you to consider your life in Christ and how you'll live as you follow Him. As I come up here, as I lead the church, my goal at the end of the day is to help you be the disciple Christ has called you to be. To use the gifts He has given you. All the other goals, I think, can help along the way. But the primary thing is Christ at the center. And as we begin a new year, we all have a past. 
It is the reality of who we are being in a fallen world. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But we come to Christ and He saves us, He forgives us, He gives us a new start. We've all gone down the wrong way. We've all gone down the wrong paths. We've all done things we wish we had not done. I can just look back on my life. There's sinful things that I did, bad things I did, embarrassing things that I've done when God brings them to my memory sometimes I'm like I feel embarrassment still today but we believe in a God that gives us second chances and the God that gives us second chances is a sovereign God we have a culture that is bringing God down to be more like us but this God that we believe in has authority over all things. He is the sovereign God. Ethan, if you would scroll forward here. I have a verse for you, uh, you guys, um, from Jonah chapter 1. We were reading through chapter 3. And it says here, and I want you to see this. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Real quick, quick here, what I want you to see is in the New Testament, Jesus Christ cites Jonah as evidence for the resurrection. And he never says, you know that made-up little childish story you guys talk about? That's actually speaking to the resurrection. He never says that. He cites the Old Testament as factual, as real people. He says, as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the earth, pointing to his death and resurrection. But there's something here I want you to see. I believe in this sovereign God. I've believed it for a long time, but at a distance. You don't necessarily understand. You know there has to be a supreme being, a supreme God, and authority of things who gives us moral law. And as I get older, I'm learning to lean in and spend more time and depend on the sovereign God all the more. That I trust in His plan. I lean into it. And I trust in His patience. And I'm learning to be patient. That I'm learning to see the long view. Because as people, we just we want what we want right now. I've been inviting my friend to church for years and he's not said yes yet. I'm going to quit. But you haven't thought about long term. How long it was before Messiah actually came. I mean, we're talking about thousands of years. And the people were learning to be patient. And we have to be patient as God's people with one another, in our marriages, in the church, with people that we're trying to lead to Christ. Look to the long view that we have a sovereign God that is working things out that you don't even understand and positioning things in such a way that the people we're trying to lead to Him will come to a place and say yes. I really believe that. That is the God we believe in. So I'm learning to lean, lean into who he is. And in our scripture today, the word of the Lord had come to Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach against it. Jonah went the other way, it says here in the scripture. So he paid the fare and went down into it in the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now I want you to see, God is sovereign. He is omnipresent, but you can leave his presence. Uh, there's a, a situation where God is with you, but there's an anointing and a presence that is special. And if you reject God's plan for your life, if you reject His message He's calling you to preach, you're leaving from the intimacy of the relationship with God. You're leaving from the presence of the Lord. And I want you to know many good ministers ran before saying yes. 
Many good believers that we know today, God was calling at a young age, and you may remember at a young age, I can still remember that being brought up in the faith and believing at a young age, God was speaking to me at age 18, and I remember very vividly, very clearly that He was speaking to me and calling me into ministry. I didn't say yes to ministry until I was around 27 or 28. I was kind of going my own way. I was running from the presence of the Lord, and that's what Jonah is doing today. But we cannot outrun the God of the universe. God can move the world to get you on the right path. God is working all things together for those who love the Lord, those called according to His purpose. If you love God and if you've believed, He is working things together for your good. And here it is. Jonah is running, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Now, a lot of people today, every time there's a storm, you have these super conservative ministers, and I love these guys, but sometimes I think they go a little too far, and every time there's a storm, well, God is trying to, um, God is judging them. Paul tells us to be careful of the judgments of God. We need to be very careful in how we meet those things out and determine that. But we have a God that has power over the elements. Jesus Christ stopped a storm. And what we're seeing here is that God can and does send storms. He can call some issues in your life. Now, I don't think God is speaking um, in lightning and thunder. In the Old Testament, Elijah's talking to God, and God says, you will hear me through the still, small voice. I'm not speaking in the thunder. I'm not speaking in the lightning. But God can definitely send storms that you recognize that He needs to speak to you. Again, He has power over the elements. And in our text today, God has sent a great fish And it says in the scripture, the Lord appointed a great fish. So God has hurled a storm at Jonah and he has prepared a great fish. And in the Hebrew, it says God assigned it. It means assigning something to something. In the old King James, it may say God prepared the storm in this great fish. The point is, is that God had created this fish and it has a purpose. And at this point in time, God has a plan and assigned this fish a task, a task to go and gobble up Jonah. Wild in our mind. Hard for us to understand. Old King James says a, a whale. And here it is. God has planned this fish, a special fish, to grab Jonah to take him to the place he needs to be. Now it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this sovereign God, but I want you to know how special this is, that we need to be in his plan. I have Acts chapter 17 written down, verses 24 through 27. If you're taking notes, jot that down. I want you to come back and read it. I'm going to read it to you today. It says through this passage, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, this is Paul speaking in Athens to a Gentile culture, So he's making a point that we believe in creation, in this God of creation who has made everything, heaven and earth. He made from it one man that has created all nations of mankind to live on the face of the earth. And it gets even deeper into this, and I think a lot of times we kind of pass right over Acts chapter 17 because a lot of times we talk about the unknown God that Paul speaks to. But Paul speaks to the sovereignty of God and how he moved things for you to come to believe in Him. It says this, and to, He has determined allotted periods and boundaries of our dwelling places. That God determined when you would be born. We don't think about that anymore. We just think humanistic, uh, secular humanism that we just happened to be born and it just happened, it was science, it was evolution. 
God planned your birth to happen when it happened in a certain boundary and place for a certain reason. And this is why he goes even deeper in all, all their dwelling places of the world that they should seek God. God has determined things and put you in a place at the right time for you to hear the gospel and believe and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Why are you in Wyoming? Because I love Wyoming. No, you were born here. Why were you born here? Somebody brought me here. Why were they here? Why did they come here? Because God is working things together to put people where they need to be to come to the greatest point in time where you would either receive Christ or reject him. God is a sovereign God, and he loves you. I have a friend, Dr. Doug Hopkins. He says this. It's a simple theology. God is good, he is sovereign, and he loves you. Isn't that good? He is good. God, the God we believe in is good. He is sovereign over all things, and he loves you. And he says, knowing this about him is enough to keep you through anything. Whatever you've been through, you can lean back and say, God is in control. He is sovereign. He is good at this, and he's good to us, and he loves us. Here's the deal. Throughout the Old Testament, there's example after example after example of people that trusted in the plan of God. Noah had to wait patiently and trust in God. Building that ark took a long time. Staying on the ark took a long time. But he trusted in the plan of God, and he was patient. The same thing with Abraham. Abraham was old already, and I'm sorry if you're over 70. When he called, God called Abraham, he was 70. When he had the child that was promised, he was 90. That's a long time to wait. God is saying, you're going to have a promised child. I'm already old. Well, you're going to get older before you actually have the promised child. Abraham had to wait patiently for the plan of God to come to be. Many of you know the story of Joseph who was betrayed by his brother, sold into slavery. He ends up working as a slave in a palace. He is betrayed, falsely accused, falsely imprisoned. He is in prison, waiting. And I always said that God was with him. He never gave up his values. And God rescues him from prison. He comes to the second place in all of authority in all of Egypt. And at the end of his life, the brothers, when, when um, Joseph's father died, the brothers are like, he's going to kill us now. Now that dad is dead, they're worried about this. And Joseph brings them together and he says this. I have it right here. I want to share it with you. You meant what you did when you betrayed me for evil. But God meant it for good. That God had another plan. Even though evil has come against us, he has this great plan for us to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The very plan in all of the suffering. Why God? Why God? On the good side, God has allowed you to go down a path. He did not determine the evil, but he had a good plan for us to come to a place where we can be used of God, that many people could be saved. We should trust in the sovereign God that has a wonderful plan. And I mean that. It doesn't mean you're not going to face problems. But our God has a wonderful plan for your life. The second thing I want you to see is that we believe in the God of second chances. Again, three and one through three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm just going to stop right there. Isn't that awesome? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I think this is one of the most profound and wonderful statements in all of Scripture. I really believe it's up there with John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. It is up there. It is mighty. We miss these things. It is up there with Jesus on the cross saying, It is finished. Father, forgive them. It is finished. This is a profound statement in Scripture that is often overlooked. It's up there with Romans 8, 28. 
It's up there with these mighty verses that we believe. And the, the problem is, is that it's been tucked away and hidden in the Old Testament. And even in churches and pastors today, they're moving aside the Old Testament. We're missing so many valuable spiritual truths. And here this one is right here. All you have to do is dig a little more and get in here and read some of these scriptures and allowing God to speak to you. And here it is. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It doesn't even have to say that. But as all things are breathed out by God, these scriptures are breathed out, it is for us to hear that this God gives us second chances. These wonderful truths from the Old Testament. I told you I'd share some more about what Paul said. Romans 15.4 here. I want you to hear this and you can go and mark it in your Bible. Again, 2 Timothy 3.16 For all scriptures breathed out by God. Paul speaks about Old Testament in the New Testament. And instead of saying that old stuff, we don't need that anymore, he says this. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. The Old Testament has value for us as believers, as the church, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Looking at the story of Jonah, God could have just sunk Jonah in the ship. He could have been like, I'm done, I'm getting another prophet. Instead, he sends this storm and to shake things up. He sends this fish to bring Jonah back into his plan. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. I love that. If you've become more aware of the goodness of God and his plan and looking back on your life, you can see when the word of the Lord came to you the first time. And maybe it was in Sunday school or a class or a friend or somebody invited you to church and you heard the gospel the first time. And I know that God did that to me. I believed and heard from Him at a young age. I can still remember I, He was calling, and I believe that He kept calling. I don't believe that God stops calling you. He calls you, and He keeps calling. When I was studying uh, the book of Genesis when I first started school years ago, uh, we had this professor, and he was telling us how the Hebrew works and how it actually sounds in the, the language of Hebrew. And he was talking about when God called Abraham. It says God called Abraham from his land to, give him to a, take him to a land he had never been or seen before. It actually means when he called him, he kept calling him. It wasn't just one time. So God reaches out and calls Abraham. Abraham starts to get his stuff together. And as he steps out, God is still calling him as he's making the long trip uh, from his, his place of origin into the promised land. God kept calling him. And I think he keeps calling us today. Now, I've blown it, and you have too, but the good news is that God keeps calling. And you say yes, and then God saves you, and He begins to sanctify you, and then you're able to serve Him. He has given us another chance. God has given me a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance. I was speaking at the rescue last week, and I was telling them that God gives more grace. This God we believe who's already loving and merciful and gracious gives more grace. We have had a lot of grace. And I had a guy speak up and say, you know, I had somebody tell me that it is wasteful grace. And I said, I don't know that I believe in that. I believe we waste it, but God is giving it out. And it's like at a parade. If you've ever been at a parade, we went to the Christmas parade here. They're throwing out candy and the kids are running down and grabbing up the candy. And God gives grace out like they give out candy at a parade. He's just throwing it out there. More grace upon more grace. And all we have to do is receive His grace. And I know many of you 
are hearing from God. And some, as the word comes to you the second time, maybe the second time is saying, you need to turn from your sin. Maybe you needed to hear that second word. Or maybe your heart has grown cold and hard with whatever you're facing in the world. And those who've been in church a long time have hard hearts. But the word comes again and can renew your heart. Or maybe it's to remind you that you're called not just to be saved, not just to grow deeper in your relationship with God to be sanctified, but to serve. To put your hand to a task and serve and, and answer yes to God's calling on your life. And here it is. You say yes, and He is the God of second chances. And when you say yes, that is a testimony. Because you were going the wrong way. You've run the wrong way. You've done exactly like Jonah. And God spoke, and the Word came to you the second time. You say yes, you begin to go the right way. And that's a testimony right there. When I've turned away and repented and turned to Jesus Christ. Now here's the deal. God speaks to us through His still, small voice. When we are close to God in His presence, it doesn't have to be loud. It is quiet. It is still. We hear it. But when we run from His presence, it has to get loud. He has to call out to you. And I think that's why this calamity happens in our lives. Things start to get bad. There's problems along the way. And you have to think about the prodigal son. He runs from his father. He goes into a foreign land. His brother knows what's been going on, wasting his money on um, perversion and all these things. But it wasn't until the famine came that he realized, I have it better in my father's house. It was the famine that allowed and, and that God spoke through His sovereign will to this young man. I like what C.S. Lewis has to say about this. A lot of times we're like, I can't stand the pain. And I know pain hurts. And I know there's trauma we've all faced and the problems and all that. We all are in this world together going through all of this. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem with Pain and Having to Watch His Wife Die, he says this, Pain insists upon being attended to. That when we feel that, we know something's not right and there needs to be some attention there. And oftentimes we have pain in our life because we've been living in sin. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences. But He shouts in our pain. It is His megaphone to arouse a deaf world. I know many people who God has been speaking to through the megaphone. I had my younger brother years ago. He had come to church once in a while. He was still living on the edge. And he, he'd do, live in sin, do some illegal things. He kept it secret. And one day I got a call from the Franklin County Jail, and I saw it coming. And I was like, oh, no. Maybe some of you guys can identify with that. So you answer the phone, and, and it's, uh, will you accept this collect call from the Franklin County Jail? And I was like, declined. And I was like, it wasn't too expensive, so I took it. It's because it was if it was over a dollar, I probably would have rejected it. But I take this call, I know who it's coming from. I got the call and I said, Hey, and it's my younger brother, and he's telling me what had happened. He said, Man, I think God's trying to tell me something. And I used some country language with him. I said, You're right. Obviously, God is saying something to you, but it, the calamity had to happen. There's some people that are better Christians in jail than in the world because the crisis had to put them there and they can spend time with God and slow down. Sometimes there's these problems that are happening. They are megaphone from, from God saying, listen up, your plan is not working. Come back and do it my way. And even when you follow Jesus, there's going to be problems, but at least you have the presence of God. 
You have the peace of God in your life. There's all kinds of problems in the world. Maybe you're having problems in your finances, relationships, car problems, sicknesses, anxiety is a real thing, lack of peace in your life, the storms of life. These ongoing problems should speak to the core of our soul. This says something is not right, that I need God to take over. There's a song many of you guys know, Jesus, take the wheel. Now, I don't know that I'm ever going to throw my hands up and just say, Jesus, take the wheel of the car. I mean, if you're slipping down the road on ice, maybe that works. Um, but a lot of times, I think we are trying to hold on to the wheel of our own life too much. And we really need to spiritually take our hands off and say, God, I want you to come in and show me how to do this right. That every time I do it my way, I'm in a wreck. I'm doing it my way, and it leads to problems. And those problems should awaken our soul. God allows these things to speak loudly to us. Um, why, why would God want you to do right with your money? When you do wrong with your money, there's all kinds of problems. But why would God want you to do right? One is that he wants you to be a good steward. He has given you able bodies to work, to bring in an income. And it's not just my money. It's God's that he has given to me to be a steward over. And he's teaching me how to help and use my money well. And in that, he is teaching me. Why would God want me to do right with my money? When I'm doing right with my money, I'm more like Christ. That God is this giver. That you do right, and there's wisdom that comes along with that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We're learning the ways of God. Um, and here it is. Why correct it? Why make it right? Because why would, you, why would you want to be in a mission? Why would God want you to be in charge of a mission that was in charge of finances if you're not even good with your own money? We've had so many issues in churches over the years of financial crisis and stuff, but God is teaching us, do right with your money so I can give you more and you can be in leadership. The deacons in Acts chapter 6, they call them because they are full of spirit, full of wisdom, and full of faith. They demonstrated their faith. Then they're put over the tables to serve people, and there's finances. They have to buy the food. They have to dis distribute these things. They have to have things in order. Um, maybe God wants you to work with people. But if you're not good with people, if you hate people, if you lose your temper easily, why would you be involved in a ministry at all? That would run people away if you're losing your temper all the time. And as a Christ follower, as a pastor, we've dealt with all kinds of crazy things and problems. And it's tempting to allow a bitter root to grow up inside. The Bible says not to let that bitter root get in there. And then you can look beyond the problems and see the people when you're trusting God's plan and His patience, and then you can, you can help. If your life is still about you, how can you tell someone to trust in God and do it His way? That he's calling us from these ways that we can be used by him and serve in his church. Jonah was going the wrong way when God sent the storm. He literally had to jump away from his exit plan. He is on the ship. It's going through a storm. He has to jump off the ship or be thrown off the ship into the sea of God's sovereignty to have the second chance. He had to get thrown off. He tells them to throw him off. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if I can do this myself. You guys got to help me. They throw him off. And here it is. Why would you want to jump in the water during a stormy sea? It is frightening. But at that point, he's saying, I can depend on the sovereign God. That God is coming after me, trying to bring me back to him. There are many throughout the scriptures that went the wrong way first that God had to correct. You know the story of Samson. He had lived in sin, and God had given him all these gifts. The Holy Spirit was in his life. He rejects the plan of God. The Holy Spirit leaves. But at the end of the book, it says his hair begins to grow again. 
God gave him a second chance to defeat the Philistines. King David, sin after sin. God gave him second chances. The apostle Paul was given another chance. Now, our life and testimony is about saying yes to God and his plan. I cannot testify of Jesus Christ working in my life unless I'm turning from the things of the world and sin. And when we say yes to him the second time, or the third time, or the fourth time, he sanctifies us. And here's the thing, he sends us to serve. And this is the final thing I want you to see today is that we have a God who sins. He sends us that people might be saved again. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah goes and he preaches the message. Jesus is not sending missionaries into the world to be quiet. We are a people of the faith who speak the words of God. Now, there's a point where people can watch your life and see some of your testimony, but there comes a place where you have to speak the good news of Jesus. Why do you live the way you live? Because I believe in this God who saves. He's come into my life. He's changed me. We have this, this message of judgment is here that God is judging sin, but He has a rescue plan for us to come to Jesus. People need to hear the good news. How will they know? Paul talks about this in Romans 10. We have it here. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, Francis Assisi said, you know, they would just see my testimony and believe. That's not true. And I want you to know that we quote Francis Assisi a lot in saying that. There's not, that, that's been passed down. There's not evidence. Francis of Assisi would have told you to believe in the Word of God. This church father didn't say, just look at people. Uh, that is part of our life, but it's both. I demonstrate the gospel and I preach the good news. So how are they to hear without someone preaching? How is someone ever going to believe in the gospel and hear it unless you preach it? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We are a sent people. We are in Casper, but we're sent by God to preach the message of Christ. Jonah was sent. He preached, and they believed. And it says here again, when God saw what they had did, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. He didn't do it. When they believe, they believed the good news. Church, sin devastates lives. It devastates entire countries and cities. But God restores, and by his grace, he is giving out grace and second chances. In closing, there's another man I wanted to talk about who experienced a second chance. He was come to be known as Wrong Way Regals. And from 1927 to 19, uh, 1929, Roy Regals played football with the University of California. And during the 1929 Rose Bowl while playing Georgia Tech, midway through the second quarter, Regals picked up the ball that had been fumbled. You're like excited. Yes, he got the fumble. He was knocked around a little bit a few times. He lost his bearings, and then Regals took off down, um, down the way and ran 69 yards in the wrong direction. A teammate caught up with him at the third-yard line and tried to tell him to go the other way, and he was tackled at the one-yard line. His wrong-way run is often cited as the worst blunder in all of the history of college football. And this is known, this is history. After that play, Regals was distraught, cried in the locker room. He put himself in a corner, put his head down, and just wept. And he had to be talked into returning to the game by Coach Nibs Price for the second half. Roy said to the coach, Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined my life. I couldn't face the crowd now even to save my life. Coach Price responded by saying, Roy, 
get up, go back out there. The game is only half over. (laughs) Roy did. He played the second half, and he turned out a stellar performance there in the second half. And here's the thing. The coach could have crushed him. How could you do that? Yeah, you're not playing anymore. And it would have crushed his spirit. And I want you to know what the coach did here is what God does with us. And obviously, if we're doing wrong, we're doing wrong. But we've gone the wrong way, just like Jonah, just like Roy. And God brings us back for this second chance. Now, why does he do it? Here it is. One person given a second chance allows for many to be given second chances. Here it is in the story of Jonah and Nineveh. The one that was given the second chance goes and preaches the message of God in thousands. An entire city is saved by the gospel. And that's what we are called to do as God's people. God gives us second chances so others can have second chances. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and we bless your holy name. We thank you for your grace. We thank you as we have just visited the Old Testament. We see your good, uh, your gracious hand on the life of Jonah and Nineveh. That grace is there. It's always been there. And I pray for your people today that we are trusting in you. Often we go our own way, but you've called us back that we may be saved, that we can tell others that they may have the second chances. And I pray that you give us opportunities this week that we're not just saying, well, if I demonstrate the faith, they will believe. I pray that we demonstrate it, that we live it, but with that we speak the word of Christ to the people in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you bless your people as they go forward today into the mission field. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And church, if you would stand as we close today. A few years ago, my grandmother has these slogans every new year. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what it may be this year in 2022, be renewed or something like that. 2019, we did a sermon series, Return to the King in 2019. In 2020, we did one, Better Choices in 2020. But here it is, the second chances that God has given us. And here's the thing, there is a lot of work to do in 2022. We have a huge ministry. We're a little church with a huge mission field, and we need to get engaged in that. So whatever it is, whatever God is calling us to do, let's do it. Go in grace and peace. You are dismissed. God bless you all. We love you.